Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Giving Starts With You podcast. Thank you for coming on for another episode. It's such an honor to have you returning every week to listen to these experts and and all these stories of people who come on. I have yet to meet someone who has been um, ingenuous. So I am so, so happy to introduce you to my new friend, Kimberly Spencer. How are you, Kimberly? I'm doing amazing. I'm really hoping that your podcast doesn't pick up my one month old crying in the background. one month wow congratulations that's beautiful <laughs> yeah he's he's awesome and he rarely cries but apparently right now he's decided to pitch a fit <laughs> oh that's okay i'm sure we all understand that um so yeah i'm just gonna shoot right in and tell you a little bit about kimberly so kimberly spencer she is an award-winning high-performance trauma-informed coach and trainer she's an amazon best-selling co-author She's an international motivational speaker and the founder of crownyourself.com, which helps visionary leaders transform their self-limiting stories. Oh, this is so needed in the world. I can tell, oh, my goodness, I love these topics. Um, build your empire, stand out fearlessly and make the income and the impact they deserve. Now, I know that Kimberly has, um, has been on so many, I'll let her maybe tell us a little bit about how things started um, I know that her journey, um, you know, she's also had, um, sorry, in the world of mompreneurship, I can never say that word, mompreneurship with her husband. She was featured in 2017 Netflix docuseries, Being Dad. She's been on a whole bunch of different and featured on a whole bunch of different platforms. Um, she has her own podcast. I love when business women come on here and show their strength, but it doesn't always start that way, right? So, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> not at all that's what we're here for you know we're here to support each other and just yeah just learn from each other right so thank you so much for coming on the show and being a part of this today absolutely I'm so glad to be here like it's just I totally think that if more people were just authentic with their mistakes and their struggles and their fears no matter where they are. I mean, I actually see this as like, as you become more successful in one area of your life, maybe you feel successful in a relationship or you feel successful in your body or you feel successful in your business or as a, as a parent, as you find that area of success, it starts to bring out those, those nuggets of, of confidence, of, of unapologetic if that's a word, um, about an authenticity around the mistakes, the foibles, and all of all of that that we have that can 
that eventually you just kind of own it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like even if we do, you know, take that chance, right. And, and get that little bit of confidence. It can sometimes be enough to just say, well, maybe I don't want to believe what those people think about me. Maybe I don't mm -hmm. need to be all the things they think I am. Maybe I'll just be me, you mm -hmm. know? And there's so many great things in that. How did you start your journey? How did all this begin? Well, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness for that, right? And the joke, uh, thank God I was born. I'm very grateful for that. Um, the joke was though, that I was born angry and I like the pictures, I looked pretty angry being pulled out of my mom's stomach. Like I was like, I still wanted to take my time <laughs> and come out. And um, so I was, I was raised in a family with, uh, with my dad who is an addict and my mom who was a codependent and it wasn't really bad in the beginning. Um, and I just, my, my dad passed away back in January of this year oh, and it was a transformational realization to realize that the years that were, that were bad was actually the years that he was mourning his parents mm -hmm. and the loss of his parents. And that, that awareness of that gave me so much compassion for him and so much more perspective for those those times of the, you know, he just didn't have the tools to deal with the, the level of grief and pain. And he'd had trauma in his past too. And so being able to look at that through the lens of that compassion, but when I was five, I didn't have that lens. And I, I also had uh, a very challenging personality <laughs> as, uh, as my son's teacher would say, exhibiting leadership skills. Well, <laughs> Well, unfortunately, no one likes to be called out by their five-year-old on their shit if they haven't dealt with their own shit. So I definitely, I believe that our children are blessed to their parents as with, with the gifts of things that we all need to remember about who we are and unlearn um, about ourselves. And so I grew up learning that my anger was bad, that and what I was angry about was hypocrisy. I was angry at the hypocrisy that I would see growing up of, I would be told to do one thing and then I would see just the exact opposite behavior exhibited. So it was very, do what I say, not do as I do. And I was also, I felt, so I was taught to feel shame for my big emotions, for having emotions. And my family, I grew up learning that emotions were manipulative. Um, that was my dad's trigger was crying. So I learned to suppress and repress my emotions. And so this is all plagiarized programming that I adopted, but the problem with suppressing and repressing emotions is eventually you become a volcano and it needs to explode. And mine exploded in the form of 10 years of bulimia. And it was through that experience and through my recovery process um, that I, I learned that I was very loved by my parents. I learned that I was on a slow path to suicide and I didn't wanna die. And I started looking and getting curious for new resources. So one thing I did was I didn't go to college and I defied that programming. I thought I, I was a straight A student. I thought I had to be all these things to be perfect um, and be enough and get, it, maybe if I got good enough grades, then my dad would stop drinking and all those sorts of beliefs around that. And I was blessed with a pair with two parents who were entrepreneurs. 
um, and who, despite their uh, their failings and their their own mistakes, that they were able to build over the course of my lifetime a, a multi million dollar company which most rehab facilities, when I was calling rehab facilities for my dad, were shocked about. They're like, he's what? And I was like, yeah, he's a high functioning alcoholic. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's funny now. Cause I, like my dad back in 2018, I staged his, his intervention in 2016, he got sober off of alcohol. And in 2018, we were, I took him to an event to kind of see what I was doing in this whole personal development world. And, and, he saw it. He was like, Oh my gosh, Kim, I had no idea. And he said, he, he said, I don't have the courage to share my story, but I know you do. And he goes, I want you to share it. I want you to be real with it. I want you to share it. Honestly. Um, I want you to, to, to help other kids never go through what you went through, never go through what he went through and repeating that cycle of trauma. Um, you're giving me chills because that to hear that, I didn't get those words. So to hear that, that must've really meant something. Yeah. It, it, it meant it like I, I, once I started owning my truth and speaking up and speaking out, I didn't really ask for permission to share, <laughs> to share how I grew up. <laughs> I just, I would have done it anyway, but getting the permission, like getting his approval and also desire to have a voice to let those things be voiced and his shame and his guilt that that I just was so I was so proud of his healing process like an, and, a bit of an admission without being blameful do you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean he like we definitely like I think blame is so in, insidious I mean we either blame ourselves or we blame someone else and either way blame is it, it removes ownership from it. If we're blaming ourselves too much, then we're taking more responsibility than it was our part. If we're blaming somebody else, then we're not able to take responsibility for our choices now in the present. And so if we're blaming someone else for our past, I mean, you can't change what happened to you, but you can change how you see it. And when I started seeing the um, experiences that I had growing up with my dad as happening for me, it allowed me to change so many lives. Like I was blessed with a gift to be able to see, like I spotted this one kid that I say kid, but he was actually like my age, <laughs> but this one guy <laughs> in, in a crowd of 2000. Mm. And I was at an event and we were all sharing uh, some of our experiences. And I looked at him and I could tell he was going to tell just some bullshit story because he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to share. And, um, and I looked at him and he fine, like, and I just gave him a look and he knew, and he knew that I knew that right. he had been through similar experiences. And I just looked at him and he unleashed mm -hmm. and it was the first time he'd ever experienced that. And we're still friends to this day. And he recently um, circled back with me and he said, I want to let you know that night he goes, I was planning on taking my life. Wow. And I called my mom. Well, I, after I, after that experience with him that night, I called my dad and I thanked him for, for everything. And I said, I wouldn't have been able to ha touch this guy's life and to help him had I not been through what I've been through. And when I learned that this guy like was planning on taking his life that night and didn't, and 
I called my mom and this was five months after my dad passed. And we just, we just cried about it because we were just like, mm. it's, I, I believe that so much, like each one of us is here for a really, really powerful purpose and to touch that and to lean into that and that you are not your trauma. You are not your past. You like those experiences define you only as much as you choose to let them define you. And that's, that, that took me a long time to say, like, I'm not saying like, that took a long time for me to get to this point. Um, but by seeing that it, it just was so powerful that you want to do it over and over and over. It, like, it just, it just put it on repeat and let's change the world. Like, let's just do that. Yes. Like, wow. That's it's so powerful. That, you know, and if, even if that situation never repeats, the fact that one life was like somebody's life, like yeah. that's more, you know, a life is, I don't know. It, it's not measurable. Like, you know, sometimes we talk about lives being lost for this and COVID for this and all these things. And you don't really think about it. Like when it comes to suicide and things, um, it's sort of going off topic, but I hate when people say that it's a selfish thing because I hate that. Um, I can't imagine being in the situation where you feel trapped. So when he saw you, it was sort of like, she gets it even without words, sometimes just with your body language, your body language can dismiss somebody in a second. It can make them feel that you're indifferent to them, but it can also make you feel so connected. It's funny, you know, I've connected with, with so many people, even through the screen, like we are right now, that perhaps I haven't made those connections in real life to certain extents, you know, mm -hmm. because when you're talking with somebody or somebody gets you or gets your situation, it's like, there's no small talk here. Let's just get right to it. You know what I mean? I really suck at small talk. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about some deep shit. Like, let's talk about growth and development yes. and spirituality, but like the weather and who are you dating? Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, let's talk about shifting belief systems. How about that? Yeah. Like, how, okay. What is the stuff you're mess? You know, how, like, what is your shit? Right. Like you're saying, and yeah. how did you get through it? Because I know like so many people in my circle who need to learn from you, or I need to learn myself, or that's the important stuff. That's exactly, yeah. exactly right. How do you go from like with, with people that you, you teach, and I know that you're teaching some courses as well. I know that especially women, uh, we tend to underplay what we know, what skills we have, um, and not just the skills, like what we're good at, but how we feel about ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. even you know, I know women who have lost weight and now that they've lost weight, they don't want to dress certain ways because they don't want to be noticed any more than they did when they were heavier things like that. Mm -hmm. They just, so I don't know, where does this come from? Cause we're not born with this. You know what I mean? We're not like, we're not born saying, Oh, I'm just going to pretend I'm not as smart and I'm not as attractive and I'm not as, you know, good at things as I really am. And that does such an injustice to everybody. Oh, and it does. I, I always, I, I, in my, in my crown yourself community, I always have a it ain't bragging if it's true. So like share your sovereign successes, whether it's in your body or in your relationships or in your business or your money, like 
share it. It ain't bragging if it's true, but so often, especially, and I agree with you for women, we downplay our accomplishments for whatever bullshit conditioning that we have. And it's, it does everyone a disservice because mm-hmm. it's, it's that it again goes back to ownership. It's that we don't, we, we don't want to own all the messes and the mistakes and the crap and we don't own all the wins and all the victories. And so we stay in this gray land of mediocre and fine and okay. And that's where we feel the most stuck. Because mm. then we feel bad that we shouldn't feel bad because we've had some experiences and successes. But we don't fully own those. And it's you literally when you aren't own, fully owning your success, when you are not when you achieve something, a goal, whatever it is, and you do not like claim it and celebrate it. And like, like if you say you're going to buy something and when you hit a certain income or anything and you're like, Oh, I don't know. That seems kind of selfish. And I could use the money this way or something like that. Or if you say that you're going to do something fun, like buy like a really fancy dress because you've lost some weight or whatever it is. And you don't do that. You're literally training your brain. You're training the reticular activating system to not be integrity with your word. And that's one part of it. And you're training your subconscious mind that when you get something, you're going to get punished for it anyway. So you might as well not go for it. Yeah. Don't strive. No. Yeah. So it eliminates the, the desire and the will to strive and to go for any goal because, eh. You're not going to, you're not going to get praised for it anyway, but it's only your own doing. So (laughs) I say, share your successes, celebrate yourself. And it it is a training. Like the number one thing that most of my clients have said that I've helped them train into their bodies and embody is celebrating themselves for what they achieve, where they are, and to really embody that because that is a, that is a very different space. And I'm not saying it's from a place of ego either. Like there's a difference between the cockiness of the ego and celebrating yourself from a place of soul and alignment. Like when I celebrate a a win, um, I really know that that win is whether it's in my body, then it's allowing me to show up on a whole new level. Like I just fit back into my jeans after giving birth (laughs) and four weeks ago, and I was super, super excited. And I was like, (laughs) rocking this. And I know that my, my life is a testimony for what is possible. And so is yours. And so is everybody's. And so I know that my kids at at the very least, my kids are looking to me as the example of what a woman is. And I want them to see a woman who claims her power, who owns her worth and who celebrates the fact that she fits back into her jeans after just four weeks and not exercising. But you have to celebrate your wins and your, and think about your losses. Like don't suppress any of it, whether it's the bad stuff or the good stuff, because honestly, that is so unhealthy too. So often it's the problem is, is that we let our losses define our identity and we don't allow the wins to define our identity. So it leaves us with a very off kilter identity and perception of who we are. Whereas if we allow for the losses, the failures, the mistakes to be a lesson, and we look at them from the perspective of growth, of how can they grow you? Like one of the things that we celebrate in in our family is making mistakes. Like 
we and immediately with my with my four year old, I'm like, oh, you made a mistake. Cool. What'd you learn? And I love that. And so, so we change we change up the vibe instead of the shame that's typically attached to a mistake, because that's that's it. It's it's if there's shame in the mistake or guilt about making a mistake, then it, or if other people um, try to project that guilt onto you and you accept it, especially as a child. Mm. I mean, I know I did, I'm sure. And you accept that guilt. And I was like, oh, I should feel bad about this. Oh, I should feel like really sad that I made this person feel this way. Then we start to allow those, those, that bit of plagiarized programming and projection to define who we are as being a mistake, as being, um, a a fuck up or whatever, whatever it is. Mm. And that's not necessarily true as to who we are at our core. The beautiful thing is that we created this. And the beautiful thing is that if you don't like what's been created, you can create something new. And that's the same for everything. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, one of the most tragic things that I believe is when we're so hard on, hard on ourselves, when we make mistakes, because I can tell you from personal experience that it has prevented me from trying new things. It doesn't- It's generalizing, any- isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't anymore, but it's prevented me from getting out there, from expressing, from trying new things, from trying things a second, third time. And I think, you know, I feel, what What about those people who don't get past that and never are able to grow and never, because of that harshness that they allow them, you know, that they feel. Um, I think the more and more we have these conversations, the more people will realize that we're all really a lot alike you know we're all afraid of showing our weaknesses we're all you know want I don't know I just the more I travel and the more people that I meet in different parts of the world the more it opens up my eyes to how we we all want the same things it's just how we go about it thank goodness is not always because how boring would that be you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I am so grateful for everyone in a medical profession because I'm like, Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. You do you boo. I am so glad you found your purpose and your path. That is not mine. <laughs> like, it's so, and, and really owning that. And I think what you, to, to point out something that you said so beautifully is it is about the diversity of experience and, and seeing that I remember when I was in my acting class and when I was 17, Instead of going to college, I decided to go to acting class <laughs> at the behest and the support of my parents, which they were always supportive of, of me pursuing things because they knew I was very entrepreneurial. They knew that whatever they like, that's the thing about both of my parents, just even with their failings, like they saw my hustle, my drive. They were like, whatever you want to do, you will probably get it done. <laughs> so so they supported me um, in not going to college and going to acting class instead. And I was one of the best choices I've ever made because it allowed me to learn how to be with my emotions. I'd never learned that before um, because acting is just living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And so I didn't know how to live truthfully. That was, I could, I could easily have imaginary circumstances. I just didn't know how to live truthfully under them because I wasn't honoring the emotions that I would feel. But my acting teacher, it, gave, place, right? it was a safe place to pretend it's just it a very safe place. The mm-hmm. same with uh, all of my singing lessons. I like to say my singing teacher was my first coach because I had the container of a song to be able to feel through. 
before that, I didn't know how to deal with these big emotions. I could deal with them through song. I could process them through song. Um, and I still sing. I love singing. My, my son and I sing every night <laughs> the show tunes from the past. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and the, um, when I was in acting school, they gave my, the, my first day, they give me this book, this syllabus with ton, like 50 books. And so as a straight A student, I of course go out and like go to borders and buy them all. And, you know, before Amazon prime and, and, the first one was it's there was highlighted in this big box and it said, this is the most important book you will ever read in your life. If, if you, and if you just follow its principles. And I was like, what is this book? Like, <laughs> yes, I've heard that before about books. And I'm like, what is this book? And I, I got it and I was, just, and I was flipping through it and I was like, this has nothing to do with acting or with Hollywood or like what is this? And I remember flipping to this page and it said, you can choose your emotional state. And I was like, said what? <laughs> and it was Stephen Covey's the seven habits of highly effective people. Okay. And I had never been presented with the option of choosing the second book that was recommended Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning and seeing though reading those two books it was the first time that that frame of the being the victim of my emotions was actually shaken where I was like whoa I don't have to be reactive I I can choose and I think that that to to your point that for those people who stay stuck in, in things being hard and being hard on themselves, eventually when you're shaken, when you've shaken the frame through conversation, through books, through courses, when you've shaken the frame enough, you start to realize that at some point it's a choice to be hard on yourself. And you've made that choice repeatedly over the past few years, but that doesn't mean that you have to continue making that choice. And so by owning that choice, it goes back to ownership to saying, okay, that's how I was in the past. That was served me in the past to some degree. Cause for a lot of high achievers being hard on themselves, got them very successful. I've worked with, with some very successful people who, because they were hard on themselves, push themselves more. they push themselves like crazy. The problem is, is that that strategy will only get you so far for so long. Eventually shifting that strategy to a mindset of growth, to a mindset of learning and to love, that's, that will bring about longevity versus the, the cycle of self-sabotage. Because otherwise what self-sabotage really is, is it's living in that, that pattern of being hard, 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 push, 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 push. And then you get to a point of comfort. And when you're at that space of comfort, it's like, oh, something like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to succeed from this place. I only know how to succeed from a place of hardship or I don't so, want to. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. they don't want to. So they either become apathetic and not wanting to succeed and push farther. And then eventually that starts that either tears away very slowly at their successes or at their happiness or the fulfillment, or they fully self-sabotage, choose to blow it all up, spend a whole bunch of money or do something that puts them back in that state of needing to push, 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 push. So they get to that 
level of comfort again. So they're re either repeating the cycle or they're fast by uh, like blowing it up mm -hmm. or they're repeating it very slowly. Cause if you're not growing, it's dying. Yeah, it's so like, you said that so well, and I don't know that I can explain, like say what I'm trying to say exactly um, the way that I want to, but you explain that very well. And that part in the middle is the dangerous part. Your perception when you're there. So I know a few people who perhaps um, haven't been able to get out of self-sabotage, for example. Mm -hmm. And so they get addicted to things. They become, um, you know, depressed, uh, can't get up in the morning, uh, where they cannot see the moment where you can change your perception. Okay. So I used to be one of those people. I used to be comfortable in the darkness. And even just thinking of getting out of that was just uncomfortable. So it's so, I'm so happy we're talking about this because it, it is up to us. Stop waiting for people to rescue you. People don't know what you're thinking. Um, even if you tell them, they still won't understand it the way that you want them to. You can only understand your limitations, how far you can go and push that, you know, because when you do change your perception and you're on the other end, life can be so much kinder, you know, when you treat yourself different. Like I also grew up with a very loving family, but also some addiction in my family. And you mentioned, you mentioned a part where, you know, before your dad passed away that he sort of said to you, you know, maybe I can't tell the story, but you tell the story, you know, it's that moment. I also experienced that where it's that moment where we see them as more than just our parents and we see them as humans and it make, and then you see they're the way they are because of their sadness. And maybe they don't realize it. Now as an adult and my father being gone, I look back and saying, if I knew half of what I know now, I would have been kinder back. I would have been more understanding because I didn't see the loneliest back then. Do you know what I mean? So it's all about how we choose to see things. Definitely. I waited for a long time for people to come and save me. And where is everybody? And it wasn't until I changed the way that I thought that it all became about me. Like, I don't know if you're in the same situation as me, but when it comes to this one thing, but I wasn't taught as a girl growing up how to take care of yourself. You know, we're taught how to take care of other people. And, um, and that's why I called the show um, giving starts with you because I do feel that you cannot give to other people until you really feel love for yourself. You, you know? can't give from an empty cup. Yeah. So I love that you're talking about this because it's so much about perception. You know, how can we expect other people to respect us and other people to know who we really are if we keep everything hidden it just makes for misery honestly yeah yeah and and that's and that's the thing is it's like i wasn't taught that self-care was something i just started to kind of figure out that certain things made me feel good and certain things didn't and i was like well why am i chasing things that don't make me feel good like dieting dieting didn't make me feel good i suck on a diet like i am nasty <laughs> i am not a kind person <laughs> 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 yeah, 
is like a life of deprivation. No, no, thank you. Um, like I'm, I'm that rebellious type that I'm like on a diet. Like I want everything else that's not on this. Like, <laughs> so I realized like, I don't do, I don't do well with restriction because freedom is such a high value for me. Mm. And like, as I started to learn more about myself and question, and that's the thing is, is so often we're so scared of being wrong. Like, I think that's the number one problem in the world. I will go out on a, on a limb and say it's, it's people's, people's desperation and fear to being wrong, which prevents us from opening up to discovery and allowing for curiosity and exploration is because we're holding tight to a belief, um, or a belief system that we think, oh my gosh, this is right. And if I'm wrong about this and what are the consequences, what is the guilt? What is the shame I'm going to feel for having been wrong? And because typically that's what happens. And we've uh, like just growing up, most people are programmed, especially in, in traditional education that like you get the wrong answer and that's bad mm. rather than you get the wrong answer. And Ooh, let's explore how you can get a different answer or a, a, explore a different option where it's, it's, it's a very uh, either or versus a, a, an allowance for exploration and discovery. Yes. And I think exploring, sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Oh yeah, no, 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 go ahead. Exploring that answer will not only help you figure out why you got it wrong, but you may learn three or four other things you weren't expecting while you're trying to figure it out. Right. Even in like math problem let's just say it's yeah even in a math problem like <laughs> it, it allows for that that exploration rather than like the being taught what to think rather than how to think and so in in allowing for teaching how to think and for retraining ourselves and how to think one of the top things i'd like to uh ask when something doesn't go my way is isn't that interesting I, I don't put judgment on it because I don't put a judgment that that's right or wrong or good or bad. I just say that's interesting and I let it simmer and I allow for that curiosity of like, what was I thinking that led me, that led to these results? What did I do that created these results? So it allows me to see, okay, well, if this caused this, then I don't like these results. So I could change some things. So that was what I did to reprogram my mindset from bulimia um, that I did with no medical or, or uh, psychological intervention was I just started questioning like, okay, so this food or this emotion led me to binge and purge. Okay. What if I recognized it before we can't, we can't change something unless we're aware of it. So first allowing for that self-awareness and that curiosity without the space of blame, without, because back to what I said in the, in the beginning is blame is just, it, it's insidious. And so without blaming ourselves and high achievers, we're especially skilled at blaming ourselves. Um, we're like, got medals and trophies from blaming ourselves. <laughs> like, we're very good at it. Um, and so we like, instead of blaming ourselves and putting judgment on ourselves, we can look at the behavior and have a little bit of compassion of like, you know, that is a behavior that is, is probably learned, um, that we probably were conditioned by in some way. And what if we thought about it differently? Just what if it did, we don't have one. Cause once you have the, what if you can then have the opportunity to choose, but it, it allows for, uh, just allowing for that curiosity of like, okay, why doesn't this make me feel good? What, what would make me feel good? I was working with a client 
who'd had the past decade of her life, she hasn't felt fulfilled or happy really. And it, I said, okay, well, uh, let's explore what just makes you feel not that bad. <laughs> like, exactly. like let's, in, instead of it, instead of placing judgment on all the things that you're like, oh, I don't know what makes me feel good. Instead of that, why don't you, ju- we just explore what makes you feel not that bad? What makes you feel curious? What makes you feel interested? Mm. Like, and following that, like, that's, that's why my, my career path to get here to creating my company was so varied. I mean, I went from being an actor and a screenwriter into teaching Pilates, into having an e-commerce company, into having a coaching company. And looking at that path, it doesn't make logical sense, but it was because I was following my curiosity and I wasn't beholden or attached to a specific dream. Mm. The reason why I was looking at uh, film and screenwriting and, and acting as as a modality was because that was the only form that I saw where I could have the income and the impact that I wanted to make. I would see movie stars because I grew up in Hollywood. I would see movie stars making multi-millions of dollars and then donating to charities and flying around the world and being on, you know, yachts and buying nice things and also being really generous human beings. And I was like, yes, 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 and yes, and yes. I'm, I want, I'm good with wanting all of that. But the only form I saw that being achieved was in the form of, being an actor. And eventually I saw that, oh, through business, through entrepreneurship, I could have the income without the ceiling of a production house saying what I would make. And I could have the income and I could have the impact and I can buy the nice things and I can travel with my family. Like, oh, I, oh, I'm going to do that because then I have control instead of having to be an actor and suffer through playing hot girl number five. 20,000 times. But don't forget that the acting also gave you a place to explore your feelings. It did. It did. And I'm so grateful for that and those experiences. And it led to me being very, very curious because when my, when my first feature film that I uh, co-wrote got produced, I thought like, okay, I've made it like dream achieved. Okay. It's only up from here. And I got to the premiere and I was like, isn't it interesting? I'm only 90% fulfilled. I wasn't, I was like, okay, big dream of mine. Why don't I feel a hundred percent fulfilled? And it was two weeks later that I got a text from a friend of a friend who'd brought her son to see the premiere. Cause when I was handing out tickets, like candy, when you write a movie, you get extra tickets. And, <laughs> and, um, and she said, I just want to let you know your film changed that kid's life. And I was like, wow, you need to really name of the film. It's a, it's a film that you would not expect to change someone's life. Like, let me just say, it's a film called Bro. It stars Danny Trejo. It is about like the high flying, hard partying world of freestyle motocross. Yes, I wrote that. And, and I, um, and what was interesting was actually on the press uh, tour, when we were doing the press tour, I was, uh, my director was my co-writing partner and I was getting the question, oh, did you write all the female parts? And my my from women and I was like okay no (laughs) I wrote the man parts too (laughs) oh wow but it it was it was so interesting seeing that that not people couldn't make sense of an accomplishment that didn't make sense yeah so it was was a very productive shift 
Well, congratulations on getting that done. That's huge. Um, Thank you. But the 90% taking you to 100, it's you wanted to see that personal impact, right? You wanted, I wanted to-, to see transformation. I want, that's why I could not suffer through another audition for Hot Girl Number Five, because that is not a transformative role. I wanted like the Brie Larson roles and the Jennifer Lawrence those things, those roles from women of that were empowering and, and strong and that have a transformational impact. Right. Like it wasn't about, I, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. But, do you honored, honored, but it's great because you honored your curiosity, but then you honored how things changed. And so you decided to do something different. That's so important. Yeah. And I, and I release, I've surrendered the attachment to the form. Mm -hmm. And so often we can be so attached to a form, whether that's the form of a, of a business, the form of an industry that we're in, Mm -hmm. or even the form of a relationship. Like I, what grew up in, um, my parents were, uh, fundamentalist Christians. And so I grew up being taught very plainly that divorce was bad. Like you stick with the person that you married for the rest of your life. And I was in a a very bad relationship that I decided to hold on to and cling to for dear life um, and run off and get married because that solves everything. And, and uh, my, my ex-husband was in the Navy and he deployed And then I realized that if we cannot get along while you're halfway across the world, we probably shouldn't live in the same house. (laughs) And I, I realized like, oh my gosh, this means that I'm going to have to do this thing that I've been taught was bad, that I brings a lot of shame, um, to, I I dishonored my family (laughs) to bring bring shame. It brought me a lot of shame and, but I had to do it from my soul was begging me to have the freedom and to release the form. And I did. And a year later I met my, uh, my, who I call my forever husband, cause he's amazing and such a great dad and a chef. That's great. And I eat very well. <laughs> I'm coming for dinner. <laughs> what? I'm coming for dinner. Oh, come over for a dinner. Last night he made like a killer duck Caesar salad that I was like, oh, so delicious with sun-dried tomatoes. I, I, I'm not like, and I like food. I, I enjoy food, but I'm, I could very well also just, you know, eat my bag of carrots and my can of tuna fish. Like I'm not super fancy when it comes to food. He's such a fancy foodie and he loves it. And he puts so much love and heart into it. I'm like, man, it tastes good. Or I'm like, man, I don't like it. <laughs> so That's it just. Hilarious. Going back to what you were saying about how you had to honor your, um, you know, your curiosity and honor when it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who are unable to do that. There are so many people that need to learn how to love themselves. And that's a whole new show, but so that they can, they, they can succeed in those things. You know, that's why I think it's so great. Like, I think you would be great to work with, you know, Thank because you. I do think that um, you make it very easy to understand, you know, and you don't come across as saying, oh, it, it's easy to do. No, it takes work. It takes work and it takes heap tons of courage. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the real key element. 
for sure. It takes massive bravery and courage. Like one of my clients, she came to me and she was still married at the time. And through the year that we worked together, she completely transformed her life, found a love an absolute love with an entirely new career, um, left her husband and, and changed, like completely changed her life and has never been happier. And it was because she was feeling so stifled and so, but it's, it, I did not say, Oh, go leave your husband. Cause like, who am I to say that? I can't like, that's not, that's not coaching. That's, that's your girlfriend over, you know, margaritas who's saying, girl, just girl, just leave his ass. No, no. You like, a coach guides to shake the frame of possibility, um, to shake and question, okay, well, what do you want in a relationship? How can you get that in the relationship that you're in? Like what, like allowing for the question and the exploration and discovery, and then your client generates their own answers. Like, it's not me telling you what you should or should not do. I, I, barely know what I should or should not do for my own life. Like I'm still figuring that out, but I can guide to helping like I have the tool sets and the questions to guide myself to make those aligned intentional decisions of what works for my life. And those tools, those resources, those questions, those can help other people. And that's what coaching is. It's not saying that I have all the answers because that's, that's very arrogant to say, to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is, is like, here are the tools, here are the questions that we could start asking to start shaking the frame of what, what is possible. And when you shake that frame enough, then people are able to see, oh, maybe I can make a new choice here. What if I made this new choice here? What if I made this new choice here? Like one of my clients, okay, and and you can, one of my clients, she had such a transformative experience. She realized she was in an abusive relationship with her, um, with her husband. I just asked her the question. I said, if things never changed, if you, if nothing changed, what, where would your life be five years from now and 10 years from now? What would your relationship look like? And she answered it for herself. And her choice was to leave the relationship by leaving the relationship. It allowed for her ex-husband to go on his own journey, to start seeking his own answers. So instead of it being a codependent abusive relationship, eventually both people were able to transform and they come came together and have a very healthy, amazing relationship. Now they just needed that those couple years of separation to be able to have those experiences and transform on their own. So it was no longer a codependent abusive relationship that was just mirroring trauma from their past. Like it was, it allowed them to both have their own individual healing, which now allowed them to come together as independent. And I truly believe that it, if it is destined for you, if that person is made to be in your life, they will be in your life. That person will be in your life. You holding on to try to like control that person staying is, is not, it, 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 it never leads to fulfillment. Just in my experience, I've never seen it. Yeah, that that was able to, you know, correct itself that way, because it is a lot of work. But when you're um, love isn't enough, you know, and and when you love someone, 
you can still hate them and mm -hmm. dislike them and maybe not hate but you know it isn't the opposite of love it hate no. it's apathy is the opposite of love like hate just yeah. means that you really care about that person and you may just hate what they're doing but i find behind any unhappiness whether it's in a marriage or a career there's a lack of doing something for yourself giving yourself permission to be okay with change you know so i think coaching does show people that you are worth or teaches them as well that you are worth looking at other options like you don't have to stay in this unhappiness you don't have to stay you know yeah. and it's going to take time but love yourself enough to look at other things that's why i really loved when you said you had to sit with something we were talking a little while ago and when you when you make a mistake and you said you know okay that's interesting is it is that what you said that yeah, isn't that interesting and then you leave it for a bit i find that that is really key because when you take the emotion out of it a few days later and you can dissect it then you can figure it out you know yeah. but right at the moment you're angry about it or you're frustrated or you can't see clearly you know so i like that you do that as well yeah and being able to allow for the emotion as well like honoring the fact that oh i'm really angry or i feel really ashamed that i did this thing okay let it process scientifically a feeling lasts for 90 seconds if it's fully felt mm. if you're if you suppress it and you cut it off you're like no no no, i'm not feeling sad no i'm fine it can last 12 years like it did it can last 12 years <laughs> yes exactly and so allowing for and being okay with feeling those emotions and being okay with saying you know i'm feeling this right now like we have a saying in our household like when we any one of us is in process and we say, okay, I'm feeling this right now. I'm in process and I'm going to, you know, mm -hmm. experience this emotion and let it be. And I will have a solution in a bit. I just need to feel this. Yeah. And if anybody says that, please give respect them enough to give them those few minutes. You yeah. Know, don't just keep talking at them. Like give, if somebody says to you, look, I just need a few minutes to, to feel what I'm feeling and you really do want to give that to them because it's going to benefit everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And you just breathe, breathe through it and attach to your breath and breathe into it and breathe through it. And within a couple minutes, it, it'll, it'll pass. And then you'll be able to have the glorious gift of having space mm. rather than the emotion taking up that space and being able to ask those questions of, isn't that interesting? I mean, I had to when I staged my dad's intervention, he didn't immediately get sober and I had to cut off ties with my family. And that was really, really hard for me. Um, but I drew a line in the sand with how I deserve to be treated. Mm -hmm. And my husband did as well. Uh, my dad said some very uh, inappropriate things. Mm -hmm. um, and it was from, a, from an emotional place and it was him making an emotional choice that he was not happy about. He had, it, it was hidden you know, expressing his own shame and, and, and whatnot. But I said, you know, here's my boundary. You did a, I'm doing B. And should you choose to no longer do a, we can discuss I have to protect myself too. coming back together, yeah. but it really was, it really was, it's, it's a boundary of you deciding what, how you deserve to be treated and deciding what you want. And I decided, I at least decided that I did, I knew what I didn't want. And I decided that I didn't want to be treated like crap. 
And I said, no, no one will ever speak to me that way again. And so did my husband. And we parted ways from my family for about six months. Hard, but healthy. It was so healthy. It allowed it like, it allowed my family to come back so much stronger, so much more healed. And it was a beautiful time because in that space, I got pregnant with my first son. Mm. And I'm not surprised because sometimes it's, it's a, it's a universal law. It's a law of the vacuum. So the universe of horror is a vacuum. And by creating space, by saying, here's my boundary, or here's, here's um, this, I'm no longer doing this. I'm no longer available for this. You create a space for something new to flow in. And that's exactly what flew in was, was my little amazing son. And my, my, through my dad being a grandpa, because he would never have seen my children if he was still drinking. Um, But through my dad being a grandpa, it was, I got to relit, I got to live the best part of my dad. I got to, I got to see him as the dad that I always wanted. And I was like, my, the, cause he wasn't always drunk or on drugs. Um, when he was sober, he was amazing. You're making yeah. me emotional. <laughs> Honestly, cause my dad, I was pregnant when my dad died. So I didn't get that chance to see. I was pregnant with my dad. My dad too. Yeah. With the, with the second one right we didn't have any kids in the family and then um there's four of them now and it's just you know I wish I had seen some of what I missed growing up you know yeah but did you find that when you set those boundaries yes it was hard and healthy for you at the same time they respect at first they're probably angry with you and oh she thinks she's better than us because she's got to set boundaries and you know all these things but probably a short time later they respected you for it and it changed the way and maybe they started setting setting their own boundaries and you they know. respected themselves for it too like mm. up until literally two weeks before my dad went into the hospital he was so proud he was like Kim <laughs> it's been four years since my last drink and I was like he's like it's four years today and he respected that because he made that choice yeah it wasn't me making him it wasn't anyone making him make that choice he made that choice and it was transformative and he was so proud of himself for doing that mm. and that was just it's wonderful. It was, it was the one area where he, it was one of the few areas that he had a lot of self-respect for himself because he made that choice. And it, it reflected in his respect that he had for me because he knew that I would hold that boundary. Like that's what a boundary is. And that's why so many people, they have vague boundaries of like, oh, like they, they push that boundary and it goes back to that integrity piece. Um, of having that integrity with yourself to own your yeses and let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no. And to own your celebrations, to own your wins, to own your victories and to own your mistakes. And so it goes back to owning that boundary in that space. It's like, look, I said, if you did A, then I would do B. And like, it's, it's just like I do with my son. Like he knows if he pushes to three, he goes into timeout. He pushes (laughs) and he gets... He gets to three. And if I kept going to four, five, six, and seven, because I didn't want to be bothered because it'd be just so much easier if I didn't have to deal with the tantrum, then he would be break. And then I would be breaking integrity and trust with him that I would do what I would say was what I said I was going to do. But we have, we really work in our family to have 
the to build the trust that when mommy says she's going to do something or when daddy says she's going to do something it's going to get done so they have that trust that if they push the boundary they're going to get take, something taken away it's hard yeah it is but at the same time it's like i know that this shorter hardship now is going to save and set him up so much better than if I were to enable him and just do it for him or just, you know, not deal with it because that would be leading to longer term consequences. Our egos are always, the ego will, will thrive on short-term wins versus like soul and alignment and intuition and faith. It requires that long-term vision of saying, I know this sucks in the moment, Mm -hmm. but if I'm going to achieve this, if if we're going to have a healthy relationship where it's built on trust and integrity, then that's the long-term vision of what I have for this. And so if I'm going to have to put up with this five minute tantrum for a lifetime of a good relationship where you know that mommy keeps her word. Yes. I love that so much. It's so important, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so important. You know, we learn all these things growing up. We put in the work. And then when we can turn around and teach our children, it's just that's what it's all about, you know, keep it going. And in the new generation. And I love that we're having these types of conversations, you know. Where can yeah. people find you? Like where you can find me at crownyourself.com. That's, that's the hub of everything. So you can, you can jump in there. If you want to work with me, just click the tab that says work with me and we can do a high performance consult where you will get five strategies that will immediately you can put into practice, whether we continue working together or not. Um, and that, that those strategies are a hundred percent your own strategies of what has made you successful in the past. So we tap into your natural intrinsic subconscious success strategy that you probably don't even know that you have. (laughs) I love that so much because until you start to uncover it, wow, a whole new world is going to appear, you know, I think people, um, people will really like this episode. Thank you for being so genuine and thank you for being so, you know, upfront and honest about your story as well. And, um, yeah, congrats for coming this far and for all your bravery, keep on doing all the great work that you're doing. Oh my gosh. And right back at you. I'm so jealous that you're headed to Morocco. I'm not allowed to leave Australia. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like uh, we, we've been, well, I could leave Australia. Yeah. Let me reframe that. I could leave Australia, but they wouldn't allow us back in the country. So oh. yeah, I, it's, it's too nice here. And I have the beach as my backyard. So I don't yeah. really. I have some yeah. friends in Australia. Oh, one day it's just so far. I don't know. I don't like to fly that far, but one day, you know, I've been invited down there a few times. And so, I don't know, all I've seen is pictures, but it looks so beautiful. So beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. We have our short summer and then it's like cold, right? But I like that I can appreciate the different seasons. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it's something new to look forward to. So I like that too. I don't think I could live somewhere where it's hot all year round. So, mm. yeah. I, I like the crisp, cool air. I like I like some seasons, but not like, freezing snow cold. I like to visit the freezing snow cold with my snowboard and then leave. (laughs) It was so great meeting you and I'm sure we'll stay connected and um, yeah, thanks for coming on and, and uh, sharing your, you know, your brilliance with us. And it was great to meet you. 
It was wonderful to meet you and to chat with you. And I think what you're doing in this world is amazing of bringing genuine conversations that can hopefully open more eyes and hearts to what's possible and that an amazing, fulfilling life is totally possible for you as you continue to just choose to lean into it. Like even the choice of just choosing to listen to this can be a choice in that positive next step direction. If there's, even if you don't know what choice to make next, just choosing to listen to this podcast is huge. Yeah. Thank you. And just realizing that there is always a choice no matter what other people tell you, right? You have a podcast as well. Can you share what it's called? I do. It's called the princess and the bee. It's on all the bees to become the queen of your life. (laughs) So the the bees of boys and business and babies and bodies and bank accounts and (laughs) belief systems and all the bees. So love that. Run to your queendom is paved paved with bees. (laughs) I love sharing the mic with other podcasters. It's great. Thank you so much. And you have a, a wonderful day. And I can't wait to see the continued impact that you're going to be making. Oh, thank you. And right back at you. Please <laughs> let me know about how Morocco goes. <laughs> thank you. I'm going at the end of October. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm hoping to uh, give back there. So in some way, so we're trying to plan a project, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about going to the Sahara and, and doing all the things and, that's going to be great. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I'm so, so, so excited. I'm sure your listeners will gain so much from your experience and what you learned from it. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And yes, actually, I'm going to be um, recording live from Morocco on my podcast. So that'll be great. I'll let you know when that comes out so you can see it. So a couple, yeah. of, a couple of people I want to interview down there that are helping uh, teenage girls become more um, or less dependent and, and perhaps not marry as young and, and learn about themselves. So I'm hoping to interview a couple of them. Yeah. Well done. So exciting. So exciting. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to have you, honestly. Awesome. It was a pleasure as well. And I will see you, hear you next time. Yes. <laughs> Same. I got to go check out your podcast as well. I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We have some really kick-ass guests coming on in the next few months. I love it. I love podcasting because I I want to keep talking to you, you know, so you meet so many great people and different perspectives and you can learn so much and and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And especially because you and I are both not into small talk. So it's like with podcasting, you just kind of get right into the meat of it. (laughs) Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.